Good Saturday morning and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Another Saturday morning, October 5th. Gosh, where did September go? Just a beautiful month of September, I've got to say, though. You know, the fairs are amazing. You know, we've had unbelievable weather. The planting has been going on. Sales have been amazing. You know, but let's face it, it's October. We still have time to plant, folks. Okay. I usually kind of figure till Columbus Day weekend, you know, is a good time to plant in Maine. Now, we always can continue to plant a little bit later, but, you know, it's time to start thinking about, you know, we're going to have to throw in the towel relatively soon. So, tick tock, tick tock. If you've got planting you want to do, you got to get it done. Okay. We're under the gun. We need enough time for the plants to root. So important to start thinking about, first off, we get all the perennials we want to get in the ground this season. Now we're starting to think about it's it's getting down there. Okay, we need to think about in the next couple of weeks, we need to have the perennials in the ground, make sure and root stimulate them, good compost. You know, it's time to get those in the ground and make sure you're going to do well with them. Okay. Columbus Day weekend, last weekend that Scarborough and Kennebunk are open. So we're just about a week and those stores will be closed. And it's time to start thinking about all the problems you might have had this year and what we might be able to do to fix some of those problems. So, you know, a few things that I know I've got to take care of. I need to do a little bit more spraying on my fruit trees next year. So I'm going to start this fall. So I'm going to actually do a fruit tree spray of fungicide and insecticide this fall as the leaves drop. So most of my trees have about three-quarters of their leaves are gone. Just the newest tips primarily have leaves on them at this point. And I think I'm going to probably this weekend give a spray on on those plants. And what I'm really doing is trying to knock out any problems for next year. Okay, what I'm really trying to do is make sure that I nip some of those problems. If you've had certain problems, you know, like some of the peaches really, you know, with with some of the leaf curls and some of that, you need to do preventative maintenance now because the conditions are going to be right in the spring. And doing a fungicide application on your peaches really is important in the fall to get rid of some of those problems apples, you know, and cherries and all of that. It's just a good preventative. If you've got any egg casings that are on the on the stems, it's a really good way to just kind of knock things out. You can use an oil spray, you know, or a fruit tree spray that has a combination of fungicide and insecticide works well also. So think about doing that, getting ahead of the of, of the process and, you know, really knocking out some of those problems so that you you don't have much of an issue for next year. The other thing I'm looking at doing is I've got some scale on my magnolia. And so I want you to take a look at your magnolias out there. Uh, If you see any blackening of the stems, you know, you probably have some scale on there. Uh, Cleaning up the leaves really well and getting those out of the yard is a good thing to do also. Because a lot of leaves will have scale on them also. And so I'm going to use a dormant oil spray on those as soon as the leaves drop. So I'm starting to plan for that. If I've got any rhododendrons that have lace bug, you know, I'm thinking about that also. I'm starting to think about how I'm going to protect my plants this winter. 
So my endless summers, I'm thinking about what do I need to do? I'm not pruning them back. I'm maybe going to put some burlap on some stakes. I'm going to leave the leaves in to protect the crown. But I'm thinking about that. I'm getting the materials for all of that so that I have it as soon as I feel the conditions are right. I'm taking out the shrub guards I might have. You know, those nice teepees that we all build, you know, are some of them broken, you know, from snow and ice? Do some of them need to be worked on? You know, give us some time frame to work on some of that. I'm thinking about if I, uh, you know, I planted a few trees this fall and I'm going to put, I'm going to stake them at this point. You know, if I, if you've planted some of your trees, basically, you know, say third week of September on, you may think about staking some of those trees. I would say if you're in a windy location, I would recommend you stake those trees because they're not going to put on enough root system to support themselves all winter. So buying some of those little steak kits, just getting them all squared away, you know, before the end of the season. So good thing to think about, you know, doing this fall, um, you know, getting those plants kind of squared away. And watering. What are we going to do about watering? You know, should we continue to water? You know, we'll talk more about bulbs and, and some of that as we go on. We're also going to talk a little bit about mouse magic. You know, we've talked about that in past shows, you know, getting that that into the basement, you know, continuing to get those. You know, we're getting cold now. Everything's looking for a place to winter. And, you know, so the the mice are really starting to kind of move in. You know, so think about that. You know, it's a great deterrent. You know, you don't have any poison in your house. It's very simple. It just keeps them out. They go to the neighbor's house. Perfect scenario. Your neighbors can have the problem. You don't need it. So great, great, you know, possibility there. We're also going to talk with Wiltproof. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, Brad Nichols from Wiltproof, and we're going to talk with him a little bit about why we should use his product, what type of uses, uh, you know, and how to use it, and, and then a little bit of history of their company and, and what they've got going on. Uh, great product. I've used it for years. Really a great protectant, you know, and, and one thing we need to have on the shelf now through Christmas. Because we can use it for our Christmas greens, too. Great great way to protect all those things. Well, let's take a quick question here. Um, if you have questions, you can submit them on our website, estabrooksonline.com. We are in our off-season schedule now. So we're taping all the shows during the week and airing them on Saturday mornings. So you can't call in anymore. Um, there's just not enough going on in the garden for us to take and go live. So what we're going to do is we're going to submit questions to sbrooksonline.com backslash radio. Okay, so sub- continue to submit those. We'll answer them as we kind of go along. And then we're going to have a lot more guests like Brad and other people coming on to talk about a whole bunch of things. So here's the question. I have a ton of leaves in my yard. How do I get the compost to make fresh compost for next year? I've always struggled with getting enough breakdown on my compost pile, what do I need to do to make sure I'm getting great compost for next spring? So good question. One that we'll continue to bring up along the way, show after show. So composting, the big thing about composting is turning your pile. And probably my suggestion is you're not turning your pile enough. The other is 
inoculating that pile with a compost that's already broken down or some good soil or a compost maker. Okay, we sell a compost maker by Bonide. Um, it's really easy. You just put the container in. And what it is is it's active microbes in order to start eating and feeding on that and breaking down your compost pile. So a few things you need to think about. What are you adding to your compost? Are you adding kitchen scraps? That will add a lot of microbes. Are you adding really tough leaves, you know, like oak and pine needles and some of that? Because what will happen with a lot of those is they're tougher to break down. You need to add a little bit of lime in order to get the pH right for everything to work appropriately. And then on top of that, how often are you turning your pile? Turn, 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 turn your pile. Okay? And we'll talk in, you know, future weeks about how you do that, how you set up your compost with three different piles and all of that. It's important that you have enough space to turn your piles consistently. Okay? Really important that you can just continue, you know, um, to boost you know, that pile, just keep turning it, okay? Air is a good thing, and the more air and heat we generate, the better and quicker the compost is going to break down. So very important that we go ahead and make sure that your compost is breaking down all winter. You should see steam coming off your compost pile throughout the winter and cold mornings. If you're not seeing that, then you're not getting enough, um, you know, microbes going. And at some point here, what we'll do is we'll probably bring in some folks like Coast of Maine, you know, or some of those folks, and we'll have a, a show on composting, on how, how people should do it, what we should do, et cetera, et cetera. So really good topic. We'll continue to bring it up. This is the time. The leaves are starting to fall. Fall is here. Winter is on our doorstep. Now, October can be a month where we get beautiful temperatures. And we've been extremely fortunate to have kind of an Indian summer scenario. So we're not really thinking about a lot of these things. You know, we're still out having a great time. The apple orchards are going crazy. The corn mazes are full of people. You know, everybody's out enjoying fall. Get that last round of golf in before we get all these frost, you know, delays and, and all of those things. So this time of year, you know, it's just we can't put everything off till the last minute. There's nothing worse than we hit the end of October and you're like, ah, I got to get everything done. So start kind of making sure, prune all those perennials back at this point. Get out there, clean all the gardens up. Get any of the weeds that you can right out, okay? As you cut back the perennials, pull all of those. Think about doing some diatomaceous earth. You know, for the slugs and snails, because now we're exposing them, and they're just going to kind of plummet into the ground, disappear. So whatever we can do to set ourselves up for success for next year is what we should do. Think about the plow that'll be coming soon. I know it's it's a tough thing to think about. I know it's only the 4th of October and I'm talking about like, gosh, the snow is going to fly and the end of the world's coming and, you know, but I'm just kind of bringing up a lot of these things. Take notes. 
Get out there, walk your yard, take more notes. The more the better. Even if you can't remember what the notes were about, like me, you know, I'll take quick notes and then I go back and read them later. I'm like, what did I, I don't even know what I was talking about then. So clear notes. Don't make the mistake like me, you know, and I make that little note, oh, I want to do this next year. Soil prep. This is a great time of year to prep areas for next year. So if you have a a new, you know, vegetable garden you want to do, you know, now's the time to start doing all of that. Now I'm happy to say my garden area is ready for next year already. So there's going to be no excuses in the spring to get this sucker planted. Okay, last year, if you were listening to the show all last spring, I was late, late, late. And I kept telling you, well, you know, you've got more time because I haven't got mine planted. Well, guess what, folks? You're going to be under the gun next spring if you're not ready. I'm going to be out there planting peas at Patriot's Day. Just like my grandfather always said, you know, get those peas in by Patriot's Day. I'm going to be the guy that's going to get it done next year. I say that now because I've prepped and the garden is ready. Now, Mother Nature will dictate how we and when we can start. But I've done the legwork this summer. And part of that is because of this radio show. And part of it is because of my wife. So it's a combination of great stresses on my back, you know, from two different angles, you know, to make sure that we're going to have a great vegetable garden. The vegetable garden for this year was phenomenal. We got a lot of yield. We planted late, which was good because we had a lot of rain in June. So planting early always is not a great thing, but being prepared is. So bed prep, you get a new perennial bed you want to put in. The toughest work on any garden is the bed prep. And the best time to do it, I find, is the fall. And the reason being is it's cool. We're not stressed about having to mow the lawn, you know, and get all of those things done where spring, all of a sudden, you know, the snow's there and then it's gone and we have to get going. In the fall, I feel like we have more time if we plan appropriately. It's a great time to get the soil in there and all kind of, you know, add the compost, add all those things. It kind of naturally just kind of blends with the soil you already have. And everything sitting there, it's a perfect time for it to just acclimate and be nice and ready to go in the spring. And then it's easy. You just come to the garden center. Come to the garden center, pick out what you want, best selection in the spring, and you're able to kind of just roll right into spring and not feel the stress of everything. So doing some of that bed prep now will save a ton of time. The other big factor, and this is always a struggle for us in the garden center, is we can't get loam and some of these products to you early enough in the spring. So even if you want, stockpile the soil so you have it on your property and cover it with the main state flag, the blue tarp. Buy a brown one, please, okay? Please use a brown tarp if you can, okay? So important important for me is how do we do this efficiently? So with soil prep, get your soil this fall. April and early May is tough for us to get loam. It's so wet, 
Compost usually we can get earlier because it, it's lighter. It doesn't take up as much moisture, so we can get it shipped in. But super soil and loam, it's very tough for us to get early in the season. So plan ahead, think about what you need to do, and get that bed prep done this fall. It, you'll be a month ahead of the following year. And if you want your, your uh, peas in by Patriot's Day, sometimes it's tough just to get the soil. And so you'll save a lot of time and money. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. You know those Black Friday doorbuster deals where they offer ridiculous prices on a few items? Well, imagine that on almost every item. Estabrooks and Scarborough and Kennebunk are closing for the season on Monday, October 14th. And all trees, shrubs, perennials, roses, ground covers, and annuals are now 40 to 50% off. You'll enjoy a head start on next spring, and you won't even have to camp out the night before. To learn more, visit Estabrooks and Scarborough or Kennebunk or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Homegrown garden mums are now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. A true harbinger of fall, these fantastic plants will bring the colors of autumn to your home all season long. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Another great Saturday, you know, October 5th. Gosh, kind of hitting that time of year where we have to plan. You know, um, we are getting to that point where we need to put everything to bed. Okay. And with that, you know, we're finishing up our transplanting and whatnot. Uh, we're making sure we're protecting our plants. And with that, we want to talk with Brad Nichols from uh, Wiltproof. Brad, how are you today? Just fine, thanks, Tom. So let's talk a little bit about your product because we've been selling it for years and years and years. Tell me a little bit about the history of this product. Wiltproof was invented, if you will, uh, right after World War II, probably roughly 70 years ago. Wow. And there was a need for it because after the war, of course, buildings started in a big way, uh, having been rather dormant for quite a while during the war. Mm -hmm. 
And with building, of course, came landscaping. Mm-hmm. And you don't usually landscape in July and August, but because of the situation, uh, builders had to. They were required to. So they were looking for anything that would help them with their, with their planting to preserve these plants in bad weather, if you will. Sure. Hot and uh, dry and windy. And <clears throat> a gentleman named Dr. Luther Baumgartner, uh, who was a chemist and a gardener at heart, uh, came up with this gooey stuff uh, <laughs> and had uh, what he called wilt-proof made up, and it worked. It was terrible stuff to use because it was sticky and gooey and you couldn't clean it up or wash it off or anything else. And that's how it was developed. And when <clears throat> people realized how valuable it was or would be if it were a little easier to use, uh, they finally uh, found a, uh, a company that would make it out of rosin, pine oil, pine rosin, a natural tree, natural out of a tree, mm-hmm. and water, and it worked beautifully. And by that time, a new gentleman had come along, Joe Hartman, and he was very interested in it. He bought it mm-hmm. and continued to call it Wiltproof. And he knew some people in the horticultural business, and he got them to take Wiltproof in. And, and sell it commercially, and that was about, oh, 60 years ago, and it really took off across the country. And I, I came in the picture about 40 years ago okay. and bought the company. So we've been around a long time, and we sell it all over the world, mostly in the United States and Canada, but mm-hmm. also uh, overseas. And it's used primarily to protect trees from loss, excessive loss of moisture whenever you have water stress. In other words, during drought periods, when the roots are frozen, no water can come in through the roots, Mm -hmm. or when it's terribly, terribly hot and evaporation is rapid. And it's just, anytime there's water stress, wiltproof is called for. And, And you can use it all year long, but you have to be careful exactly when and on what. So let's we'll talk, talk a little bit. Of, let's talk a little bit about transplanting because I think that's the area that we haven't sold your product well in use of transplanting throughout the summer months. I think you know here in Maine, I hear time and time again, wiltproof is kind of the gold standard for winter protection. But we're missing a whole nother season to use your product. So, you know, let's think about when we transplant something or we're planting, you know, giving a spray. So tell me a little bit about how we would use it for transplanting and, you know, what are the do's and don'ts of when to put the product on as far as, uh, you know, is is it available to put it on, you know, in in the hot sun, you know, or whatnot? Well, first of all, of course, uh, transplanting, as I mentioned earlier, is not the greatest in July and August in uh, your your warm climates. Uh, but it can be done, and it is done. Mm-hmm. And when you have a situation where you just have to go ahead and transplant something, then putting wiltproof on the foliage, uh, especially on um, um, evergreens, mm. uh, it will <clears throat> help keep the moisture that's in that plant, uh, in that plant from evaporating out with, with the drought situation. Whenever you transplant something, of course, uh, the plant has been dug by somebody somewhere. 
and the root system has been severely shortened, mm. in other words, cut off. Uh, this always happens when you, when you dig a plant and transplant it. And most most of the moisture that comes into a plant comes in through the root system. And if you've curtailed that uh, root system, then obviously you're not going to get as much water as you normally would. So wilt-proof is very, very important uh, to get on the foliage uh, when you're transplanting in the, in the summertime, spring, summer, or fall, mm. almost any time. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think of it as a fall-winter product, but I've never really thought of it as using it throughout the whole growing season. And I think, you know, that is a whole nother thing, you know, for your product to, to talk about. And, and as a retailer, you know, I've never really taken advantage of that. Um, you know, so when it comes to transplanting, you know, do we have to be concerned about spraying it in the hot sun? Should we look at doing it like end of day so that it dries by morning or, you know? No, that has no no bearing on it at all. You can spray it at 100 degrees uh, and it's okay. But wiltproof should be sprayed in daylight, okay. not necessarily sunlight, but it should be sprayed in daylight outdoors so it can dry in daylight with the ultraviolet rays. Mm-hmm. And you should not spray it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon He'd be better off at around 10 o'clock in the morning so it gets three or four or five hours of good drying time. Okay, good to know. And, you and know, the reason, to, to, I'm sorry yeah. for interrupting, but the, the, the reason you don't see that much wiltproof uh, in, in the summer, spring and summer, is very simple. Uh, in, in the fall, in the wintertime, uh, the stores are looking for something to put on their shelves because... Uh, the fertilizer and the growing media and so forth like that that are sold so heavily in the spring and early summer, uh, people aren't aren't interested in that in the fall. And so the stores are looking for something, and they, they, they came upon Woolproof mm. as a great item to put out in the fall. But they neglect to put it out in the spring and summer because there are so many more uh, uh, valuable items to put on the shelf that, sell quicker and, and uh, are necessary to use, whereas they think about wiltproof as well. We'll have that in the, in the, in the fall and the wintertime. Yeah, see, for me, we have it on the shelf all season. And, you know, the reason being is, you know, we use it, you know, basically year-round. But I've never kind of thought of the situation, you know, because we have a lot of seasonal folks here in our market. You know, so we have a lot of folks that come on the weekends – but they're not here all week long to water. So I would think that would help protect them, you know, from things really drying out on a week-to-week basis. Can it be sprayed more often, or how often do you have to spray the product? Woodproof should not be sprayed more than once a season, a season being traditionally about three months. Okay. So uh, that helps out a lot because, you know, somebody who's putting stuff in, you know, and a lot of our summer clientele doesn't show up until May or early June. So, you know, they can spray it when they plant it and then they yeah. can turn around and spray, spray it, you know, in October or, you know, as they're leaving, you know, a lot of people, you know, close up their stuff, you know, sometime around this time frame a year. And, uh, you know, they're going back to their, their home for the winter. So you could do it just before they leave also. Yeah, that's very true. One thing to keep in mind, though, because Wiltproof does have a uh, an active life on the plant of, oh, three or four months. Mm-hmm. The longer you wait in the fall, uh, 
the longer the protection will last in the early, early spring. Like March can be brutal, especially in Maine. Mm. And if you spray around uh, the first of November, then you've got protection November, December, January, and February. But watch out for March if it mm. happens to be a tough month. So the longer you can wait in the fall to spray at a dilution rate of 1 to 5, uh, the better off you're going to be if you're not going to be around uh, during the winter to give it another shot in the very early, early spring. Uh, then then wait wait until uh, sometime around Thanksgiving time before you spray it for winter protection. Yeah, that's what we recommend fun. most of the time for a late application is waiting, you know, later in the season. Now, are there any any specific temperatures you can spray the the product in? Yes and no. Uh, you can spray Woolproof anytime, anytime at all, as long as the spray does not freeze on the foliage while you're spraying it and for three or four hours of drying time afterwards, outdoors. Mm-hmm. Now, when I, when I say without freezing, you know, you can look at the thermometer, it might say 32 at 9 o'clock in the morning, and you'll say, oh, good, I can spray now. But if the, if the temperature has been in like 26, 28 all night long, that foliage could still be frozen, even though the thermometer says 32. Absolutely. So what I do is I get a glass of water and just throw it out on one branch and see if the water freezes on the branch. If it does, it's not warm enough yet, even though the thermometer says it's 32. Mm. Uh, and that's a pretty good test. That is if, a great if test. It, if, it, if it doesn't freeze, then it's fine. You go, go ahead. So as far as winter protection, you know, the same situation, you know, I think in Maine that's what we run into, you know, that early season, late February, March, early April. We're still getting severe weather, you know. So it's it's tough to reapply right at that time frame because we aren't getting those temperatures. So would you recommend, you know, if we have a little break in the weather, you know, obviously it sounds like if we have a couple, you know, a good strong day where it's 50 degrees, that's a perfect time to reapply, you know, or 40 degrees to reapply as long as that leaf is, is you know, thought out. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Don't overdo it. You don't want to spray it every two months no no that's so a, if you're you're heavy, november you know and you're, you're going to get to sometime in february probably pretty well you know and then like you said you know march can be awful you know we can still oh, have know. a lot of snow and it's more the wind i think well it's the wind and the roots are still frozen Absolutely. So can you use this on deciduous plants like, say, a blue hydrangea that we have a tough time keeping those buds really happy? Yes, you can use it on a hydrangea until it blooms full leaf, and then, no, it's too late. But you certainly can can protect a hydrangea through the winter months. And talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, frost protection. Will that help in the, in the early spring if we have some plants that break dormancy? Will it give you any, any coverage there also? No. No. Okay. No. Nothing, nothing really that I know of on the market even uh, will, will help protect against cold, cold, or frost. Uh, some things may be a, a there are a couple of products out there that can that will tell you that it'll protect you for a, a degree or two or three or four, 
But what happens if it's about five or six degrees, you know? Yeah, we don't call that frost up here. We call that freeze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Well, you have to be very careful. I mean, Absolutely. So Wiltproof sounds like a, a product that we can use in so many different ways. Are there any plants we can't put it on? No, there are no plants that you can't put it on, except the ones that I've mentioned, where if they're leaf and they're a broad, if they're a deciduous mm-hmm. and they're in leaf, like a tomato plant, no. Right. Even right. a rose bush when they're in leaf and bloom, no. Okay. But when it's winter time, you can spray your rose bushes. Sure. No need to in a tomato plant, but right, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, overall, it sounds to me like what we've, the big protection that we've always stressed have been broadleaf evergreens like rhododendrons and azaleas. There's huge protection for those nice flower buds that get blighted off, you know, in, in the winter months. And everybody knows when they see their rhododendron that's all curled up. I assume when the leaves are all curled up, is it a good time to spray then, or should we wait for the leaves to come back and look good and then spray when they're nice and flat? Rhododendron leaves curl up uh, because they want to protect themselves. They do that as a protective uh, measure. It's not because they're, uh, well, they're, they're, they probably are cold, and, and they're trying to, to ward off that cold by, mm-hmm. by bundling up, so to speak. And you can spray wiltproof uh, when they're curled up if you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll get a better coverage if they're not curled up. So, in other words, you're better off earlier in the, in the season uh, to spray wiltproof on the on the roadies uh, when their you know, leaves are, are completely full, and you get more chance of getting the bottom of the leaf as well as the top of the leaf. So, uh, but you can you can spray wiltproof anytime. I think I may have mentioned as long as the spray doesn't freeze on the foliage while you're spraying it. And uh, if it's 100 degrees, that's okay, too. Well, sounds good, Bob. Um, I appreciate the interview. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Fall is in the air, leaves are changing, pumpkins turning, and fall is the best time to plant trees, shrubs, and perennials. You can buy your plants and garden supplies almost anywhere. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine, working together to ensure you, the customer, gets the best quality advice and service. Visit us at MainIGC.com to see the closest IGC member near you, then stop by your local member garden center, where we'll help you select the best product for Maine's climate and soil. We work together to satisfy you. Visit us at MainIGC.com. For over 60 years, Wiltproof has provided the most effective protection against moisture loss in plants under water stress, and no other product comes close. Our non-hazardous, organic, and biodegradable film is like having several layers of protection. As the outside layer of Wiltproof wears off with the weather, another layer forms. Wiltproof is the only horticulture anti-transparent that has the ability to provide this long-lasting protection. Put your trust in Wiltproof. Check out their site at wiltproof.com. That's wilt-proof, P-R-U-F, dot com. Welcome back. 
back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Great interview there with Bob Hartman of uh, Wiltproof. I can't stress enough, folks. Our conditions are very harsh and some great tips, some things I took away from that interview, which, you know, I love doing these interviews because we don't always get to talk to people in the garden center industry with, you know, folks like Bob Hartman that is the owner of Wiltproof. You know, a lot of times we go to the trade shows and they've got sales staff there and whatnot, but they leave out some of the key elements of a product and what we should use it for. So Wiltproof I took away from that is, number one, we need to have it on the shelf all the time. And I'm not talking my shelf. I'm talking about your shelf because I see a great possibility that it will help with stress of your plant when you move it in the spring. Okay, he talked about spraying down plants, you know, to make sure they don't dry out in that process of losing root system, you know. And so I think that's a great thing. We always have those issues where we need to move a plant at the wrong time of year, like July, August, early September. Great situation to protect in that scenario. Having an addition put on the house, you know, got to get in there to put in a new water line that broke or, you know, septic system needs to be dug up. Perfect scenario. Protect during the summer months. Give us a little bit more insurance on doing things a little bit when they're not the perfect conditions. I found it really interesting to know that we don't have to worry about doing it in the in the hot sun. You know, so spraying at 10 o'clock in the morning and let it dry on the plant is better than doing it late in the day. I thought that was a really interesting, you know, usually we recommend later in the day. I loved the test with the water on the leaf to make sure the leaf was, was uh, you know, thought out enough to accept the wilt proof. And then the best tip of all that I took out of the whole thing was the protection for late February and March is the time frame when we get the most damage in Maine. So here's my thought on how I am going to suggest from now on we use Wiltproof. Number one, I'm going to recommend we spray sometime in October to early November. And then I'm going to recommend you spray again in late February, early March for full protection for winter. Okay? I think he is right that if we run out of the protection too early in winter, we're going to be in trouble. And let's face it, in February and early March, late February, early March, we always have those one or two days where it gets warm. Now, here's the last tip I'm going to tell you. Don't store your wilt proof in the garage. Because if it's frozen, what good is it to you? So put it in the basement put it in the closet, put it someplace where you can get at it so you can mix it with lukewarm water, not hot water, but lukewarm water when you spray in the winter months. What that's going to allow you to do is if the leaf surface is thawed out a little bit and not quite where you want, that lukewarm water will help. But I don't want it to be hot because I don't want to burn the plants. So we're going to pick a day that's above freezing. We're going to spray the middle of the day and we're going to make sure and protect our plants. So everybody should buy a bottle of Wiltproof because, honestly, <laughs> everybody has plants that they need to protect. I really found it interesting on the blue hydrangea, too. You know, it's such a problem for us. So I think I'm going to try that this winter. 
I'm going to try protecting those flower buds and those stems with wiltproof and see if we gain some success, some more success on our blue hydrangeas. A lot of new genetics in blue hydrangeas coming, and we'll be talking about that more over the winter months as there are new ones coming on the market. But let's think about this. If the varieties we have in the ground, we can protect those stems, man, we've just hit a home run. There'll be blue hydrangeas blooming in every yard soon. So let's give that a try. You know, experimenting on these things, it's a great way to make sure that we're squared away. So great interview with Bob Hartman. You know, let's talk a, take another question here. Uh, you know, we're thinking thinking winter again. Everybody's starting to switch their hat from gardening and putting plants in to how do I protect them. Okay, we still have time to plant. I don't want to, you know, we still have time, folks. Okay, but we need to start thinking about we're going to plant and then we're also going to protect them. Okay, so here's a question. Every year my shrubs get smashed by heavy snow off my roof. Is there a cover that protects this from happening? These plants bounce back every year, but it takes a while every spring. Please help. So common problem. Number one, the first questions I, I always ask someone when we're doing a new foundation planting is, and most people don't know the answer because it's a newer home, do you need to roof rake your roof? Do you have a metal roof? Does the snow fall off of your roof? And last but not least, do you get a lot of icicles on the front of your home? Those are the four questions you should ask because they are really the biggest things that are going to damage the plants. And then we have to know how far away from the foundation we're going to plant to allow either snow load to fall behind the plants or what we need to do to protect them. So here in Maine, before too long, it's a still a little early, you're going to start to see every type of structure known to man put over plants in people's yards. It doesn't matter what it is, folks. The big thing for me is what do you want to look at all winter? So here's the perfect scenario of a cover from my perspective. Number one, we have to cover in this situation like this customer has. We're going to have snow load coming off the roof. It's going to come off, and it sounds like it's coming off with some serious force if they're being smashed every year. So number one, we need something that's going to withstand the weight of that heavy snow coming off all at once. That's tough to do because we just don't know how much snow is up there at any one given time. So we're probably looking at some sort of wooden structure. And here's a couple tips with a wooden teepee-like structure. Number one, my suggestion is you take something that has slats. Okay, so it's not solid. It's not a solid piece of plywood or something like that. Okay, and the reason I say that is I want ear movement through this structure. You make something that's big enough to sustain the growth that the plant's going to put on year in and year out. So make something that's big enough. Don't make something that is the size of the plant that year. Two years down the road, you're going to be putting a small teepee on a big plant, and it's not going to work. We do not want the plants to be touching the sides of the structure if possible. And the reason being is a prime situation is that board is in the sunlight, it conducts heat, and it transfers the heat through to the plant and burns the plant underneath. 
it's crucially important on broadleaf evergreens and evergreens. Deciduous plants, not so much. But on something that has to contain its moisture over the winter, where wilt-proof will help, but if we constantly are keeping heat against that plant in a southern location, especially, that's a, a situation where you will burn your plants. We do sell pre-made teepees like this. They're nice. Make them so they can fold up and be stored away easily. So typically they have hinges at the top, you know, and maybe a chain across the bottom. And so you can actually collapse them. Many people don't. They take them out to the back 40. They set them next to the shed. They look awful all summer. You know, so think about how you're going to store whatever you're building also. So that, you know, you take out the patio furniture, you take out all the summer stuff, boom, these go in their place. So you're kind of getting ready for spring, you take these off the shrubs, you place them in the shed or the garage where that stuff was, and so you're rotating your your stuff and, and making it efficient to store these. They also sell cloth type covers that are collapsible. We sell them also. They're great for small plants. They're great for plants that are off the the foundation, you know, the one thing that concerns me about the cloth ones is they're typically darker colors, so they show up more in the winter months, kind of like a beacon out in the middle of the yard. They are great for roses and blue hydrangeas and some things like that. But I would recommend you stake them into the ground because they tend to blow away very easily if you don't. Okay, so protecting your plants with structures, you know, it really... It doesn't matter to me. I like using burlap if it's not a heavy snow load situation. You know, four stakes in the ground and burlap around just because it wind protects and allows the snow to fall down in. With any heavy snow load situation, a teepee is a better situation. Some sort of structure that's more hardened, wood, wood-like. Um, you know, you can make them out of a whole bunch of different things. You might think about making them out of something like Correct Deck or some of the new products like that, you know, so that they're, they'll hold up for years and years and years. Use a good, heavy hinge. Don't use a cheap hinge. Spend extra money on the hinges. They're the place that it fails usually most often with the weight. So all good tips when it comes to protecting your plants time to start thinking about that there's nothing worse than trying to build these teepees when it's zero out cold nasty you're in the garage freezing think about doing it when it's nice out now so that they're all done if your teepees from last year are too small think about that also we're going to take a quick break we'll be back with more from the joy of gardening on news talk wlob At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. 
And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Great interview with Bob Hartman from Wiltproof talking about protecting your plants. Also, we've got a little bit of time here to left take one more question. This question is, is it too late to lime my lawn? What type of lime should I use? I have moss and clover all over the place and want to get rid of it. You have said in past shows that lime will help me do so. Give me more tips, please. <laughs> this is a good question. Um, yes, you still have time to lime. Okay, you can lime as long as the ground is thawed out. Okay, but this is a great time because the the you know weather is still good. The lawn is still actively growing. It's time to start mowing your lawn down tighter because the temperatures are cooler and it opens up that soil to get you know, the lime down in there. So first thing I would recommend, use a fast-acting lime. We sell one from NCAP, and very important to use a 100% lime-based product, okay? You're going to put one bag down compared to the competitors of five bags. So a lot less weight to carry around and spread, much more effective, quick-acting for fall, so it's going to change the pH now, and you'll really gain the benefit in the spring. In the spring, we may look to add more lime if the moss hasn't browned up, okay? But now's a perfect time due to the fact that, you know, we've got more space in around the lawn. Mow that lawn nice and low before you do it. Get it down, and then let Mother Nature do its thing. Okay, so plenty of time. Just pick the right product. Secondly, the other thing I may consider doing is a winterizing fertilizer at this time. Espoma makes a great one, organic, a good way to go to build root system. And also with the lime, it will become more available and help kill that clover. The lime will raise the pH. The fertilizer will kill the clover. So a dual combination. It also is going to help build the root system for next spring. At this point, we're starting to get a little bit late on putting down new grass seed. So I think we might hold off a little bit on that unless you've got some areas for erosion you want to try to do. But we're getting kind of late on some of those things. So you might want to think about doing that also to help knock out some of that clover. That will all of a sudden open up a bunch of space in your lawn for next spring for us to come in with some new grass seed and really build your lawn appropriately. So all good tips. You know, the lawn is something that we constantly have to be kind of working on. I'm okay with having some weeds in my lawn. You probably should be also. It's not a huge concern. The big thing is just to culturally do the right things along the way. Lime, cutting your lawn a little bit longer in the summer, and making sure you don't get huge weed infrastructure, you know, going into the following season will kind of set you up for success. I have very little dandelions in my lawn. And really a lot of it comes down to cutting it at the proper time and making sure that you really have the right pH and the right products to make sure that you don't get a stronghold of 
these weeds. So, you know, easy, simple situation. So we're wrapping up the show here for this week. You know, a couple things I wanted to go over before I take off here and enjoy my weekend. Uh, number one, think about, you know, all the things you want to do this fall. You know, whether it be in the garden or not in the garden, start making a list because fall is going away quickly. Scarborough and Kennebunk closing Columbus Day weekend, next weekend, you know, closing on Monday. So you have until then to make sure and stop in. Even if you just stop in and say thank you to the staff, I would appreciate it. You know, they've done a great job down there. They work extremely hard for me and my family. And uh, I want to say thank you to them for another great season. And also thank you to you for a great season uh, in those stores and always continuing to support us and independent garden centers. And last but not least, think about Thanksgiving and Christmas coming. You know, we're going to talk more about all of those things going forward. You know, number one, make sure and get out and take inventory of your yard and the things that you need to do. I'm a list guy. I love to make lists. You may not be. With smartphones today, it's great. You can pull up those little notepads and just make run through the yard. Things I need to do, make another list, things I need to purchase for next year. You know, and they'll be right there when you come into the garden center because we all have our phones. You know, we always have these smartphones and, you know, we'll go, oh, I made that list last fall. Boom. You're going to see the things that you need. We're going to talk more in future shows about bulbs because it's getting to be that time of year. Okay? Bulbs, the time of year is coming right up. Okay? Mid to late October is the time to plant. So get out there. Enjoy your garden. Enjoy the fall. It's wrapping up. The foliage is amazing right now. Get out there. Have a great weekend.